Pip Pip and welcome to episode 27 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. We're doing another one of our popular round tables, mainly because we overran on our last round table. So we've still got a lot to talk about. And I'm Thanks to Darren Maddox. So we're joined by the same Motley crew from the last time, so just a quick go around the table. We're joined by Johnny Monster himself, John Knox. Hello everyone. One of Curva Collective, Zachary Meissenheimer. What's up? Slamo from SFU, Stephen Lamotte. Hello. And my wonderful, lovely, second best beard at the round table co-host, Steve Pander. Hey guys, what's up? I'm your host, Michael McCall, and we have so much to talk about. Hopefully, by the time that this actually goes out, some of the things will still be relevant. Because one of the things I want to kick off with talking about is some of the more contentious white caps and whether you think they should stay or go. So who knows, maybe some of them already have been released by the time you hear this. But with a decision being made on who the new manager is, probably not. So Steve, you've been beavering away and trimming some metaphorical hedges of the Whitecaps playing staff. Well, we have to look at every player, so we're going to we're gonna break this down. And Do I have to look at every player? I mean, Abdallah is not coming back next year. <laughs> well, uh, he might be a family You didn't friend. see his, his roulette in Portland. It was, he did a roulette between two players in Portland. It was beautiful. Speaking of beavers. Oh, you looking at me like that. He showed skill with ball. Yeah, man. He, he he did a roulette like right in front of where we were sitting. Now, he when you say roulette, players. did he just like spin a big wheel? No. no. You know the Z then, the drag and drag. We went between two guys. <laughs> did he hit the floor doing the curly going? No. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> no. It was he's a, he's a big, hard tackling, left footed central midfielder who has potential. I know he has maybe not displayed it in every match, but... So, back to trimming beef. So, let's... Uh, yeah. well, we'll talk about position. Well, do you want to go position by position, or do you want to go... Well, I, think, I think there's going to be some people that we, we all agree on. Have so, to stay so let's, that let's have just to go goalkeepers first. Uh, Usted and Thomas, any disagreements there that, you know, will they be back? They should be back, right? Everybody yeah. agree with that? Yeah. None of you people are the people that's been leaving pro Brad Knight in messages and every article are right. No, I'm okay. the exact opposite. I'm uh, shy that Brad's gonna see some of the stuff I've said. Okay, so uh, so one of the guys, Joe Cannon and Brad Knight, those two guys are up in the air. Are they gonna come back or not? Like Joe Cannon, I don't mind at a lower salary. I can't see him coming back at the salary he is at. What do you guys think? Joe Cannon. Okay, Brad Knight is is gone. I think. I, I, thought, I think I no, yeah. yeah, no matter what, he's gone. Yeah. Because he'll want to be gone, and I yeah. think they'll allow that to happen one yeah. way or another. Joe Cannon uh, spoke to him like uh, maybe two months ago, and he's like, you know, I, I really want to continue to play. And I don't know what that's going to look like or where that's going to be or whatever. I, I had that kind of the understanding that if Martin was still going to be here, then Joe would not be here. And then, and then, uh, and then as things developed over these last, this last week or so, I thought... Oh, he will be brought back by Frank Yellop uh, as to, to play a role or to be a part of things. And Chicago? No, here I thought Frank would. If Frank was coming here. Frank would keep him here, and because they have a relationship, they have a connection, they have an appreciation for each other, whatever. But now that that's not happened, I find it hard for. I find it hard to believe that he'll be back here even on a lower wage. He did say at the last training session of this season that he doesn't think his career is over and he thinks he will be playing next year. No, yeah, he 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 fully wants to play at least one or two more years. If he's willing to accept a lower salary, I would not mind him, especially if there's a way we can get him into uh, a front office position or something like that down the road. I think he's fantastic. I think in a development like where he can be a, a 
director of youth development or something like that. I think he's got a, like a big future in that, and he wants to do that too. So I think uh, I think it would be worth keeping him at a lower salary if he's willing to accept it. I, I, His wife is pregnant too, yes. so and she's from Vancouver, so there might be some leeway in that. I I, I would like him to to be here. I yeah, I, I would enjoy having him here, but I don't I don't know. It'll actually stay. I think I think Brad has good trade value right now. He did put in some pretty darn good performances. The one against Seattle stands out in my mind. I mean, that's just a highlight reel in itself. Um, and yeah, I, I feel that Brad will move on to a spot where he can, again, compete or take over top spot with wherever he lands. I think Joe will be sticking around for at least one year. And that he may parlay that into a goalkeeping coaching position or some other kind of mentoring role. You know, Joe could very well become the next... Carl Valentine for the club, as, as in terms of the ambassador type of role. I see that happening. Joe's a good guy. He's humble as hell. And I think he handled this past season with a, a class and dignity that I, I don't think uh, many people could have carried themselves as well as Joe did, given the circumstances he had. Slamble? I don't know. It's hard to see a guy like that playing an insignificant role, you know, for the end of his career and getting a, you know, he's not going to be on a large salary, I would think. So I don't know if his career is going to continue. But there's not very many starting positions out there unless somebody gets sold off to Europe or something like that. But so I don't, like, do you see him going somewhere else or is it, you know? No, I don't know if his career is, I don't know if his career is done or if he's going to go to a lower league or if oh, he'll I don't see going to a lower league though. That, you know, Joe Cannon will not be going to a lower league. <clears throat> so I just don't see it going anywhere else. And, and for no other reason, like, I mean, it's fine if he's the third keeper and doing his mentorship role or whatever. Well, what he was mentioning on the pregame show before the last game, he said to uh, said that Simon Thomas should actually play more games and should actually go down a level and then maybe opening up himself for a position as the backup or something like that. So Simon Thomas, he felt like he should get 20 to 25 games and then um, be ready the next year to be the backup. Yeah, that's true. And there are, you know, Chris Seitz, I don't know how much he makes, but he's a good example of that's a Joe Cannon type thing, right? So. I mean, would, would you want to see a new keeper brought in to challenge Eistead for the number two, or do you think it's just going to be Simon Thomas? How are you going to bring in someone that actually challenges David Oosted, like cap-wise, if you were really needs no. to... Well, no, not necessarily cap-wise. I mean, it doesn't have yeah, to but, be but high. Are you going to bring, in someone, like, you're gonna bring someone on on 60 possibly grand a year that's going to actually try, challenge yeah. David Oosted? Or do you see that Thomas will get the number two, and then they either have Cannon as the third, or they bring someone like Carducci on? Or no, no, definitely not that. This but it doesn't early. mean that they're going to play him. It just means he's on the roster. You still got to be able yeah. to play him. But you get two injuries or something like that, then you. Could. Well, we've Marco seen him Carducci, play in PDL. We've seen him play in quality, reserve. Yeah. And he's so. quality, but he's not ready to start now. He's not ready. Yeah, but no one's asking him to be the starter next year. I would be. I would be okay if we went David, uh, uh, Tom, Simon, and Marco. That would. I, I would being prefer the, being in the full time environment. If you're going to bring a homegrown guy, bring in uh, Caleb or Irving. I think Callum's happy. Callum's happy. Walmart Perducci is on. But he's, 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 he's not going to want to leave. He could leave school in a second. No, he, no, he wouldn't for right. a, he wouldn't for a, a third thing. Yeah, he Callum needs to play. Gonna, the thing well. with Marco is he's going to get games, right? He's going to get national team call ups. He'll get residency games, reserve games, exactly. PDL games. He'll play. So and he could be the guy that gets loaned out to to Edmonton. So wouldn't you prefer that? Wouldn't you prefer to have Marco playing? The, the USDA. He's already going to be playing. PD, PDL, yeah. reserve games, 
As opposed, I'm just saying as not opposed next year. to as I'm opposed, just saying not next year. I'm yeah. not saying this I mean, I'm not saying don't sign him at all. I think he's one of the no, good I know, I know, in the I know. future. But Why do you hate Canada, Steve? Steve, would that not be better for next year? Would that not be better for next year? Do you have a passport? Are you a Canadian passport? <laughs> yes, I know I don't look Canadian. <laughs> but I am Canadian. You, you look Canadian. Would, would you not rather do that next year than bring in some other third guy who's going to either sit and do Adam nothing or, or... Is that what you want here? <laughs> or, 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 have, or that will then make Simon sit around and do nothing? I, 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 like, why not have three keepers that are actually playing football? Sure, yeah. why not? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, as with for Brad Knight, and I think he will be a starter somewhere... Whether he enjoys the Zambian fourth division, yeah, no, Zambian fourth division. Oh, sorry, you just shocked me with the first part of that. <laughs> the problem is he might not get all his American food he likes there. So, mm. okay, so let's let's move on to defenders then. I think we can all agree that Johnny Lebron, especially Slamo, will agree to that. Carl Mitchell is going to be here next year. Sam and Kugby is going to be here next year. I think I think with some of these players though, the issue will be: does the club hold their option and? Or you know, a Carlisle, oh, no. a, a Mitch. Mitch is on like no money. Yeah. So I you think could, you could see. You, I, get, I could see a Carlisle Mitchell saying, "I'm not really going to come back. I'm not going to come play. I'm going to hold out or something." If you if you're not actually going to pay me, we're not going to go into super detail. Hold out. I think Carlisle Mitchell. Mitchell should get a bump and pay, whatever the case. But, yeah. but I think he should be here next year. <clears throat> yeah. jo- Johnny Levron should be here. Sam Kubi. Those are the three definites. Karek Kilgazura, I think, is a definite out. The guys that are in contention. I think one, the first the big one for defenders is do you will keep Andy O'Brien or Jay Demerit? Now take out all the pos- the thing that Andy O'Brien is signed and Jay Demerit's not signed. And also take out your personal love of Jay, Stephen. Because <laughs> Andy O'Brien can be sold to an English uh, championship team or he could be let go out of his contract if they want to keep Jay Demerit. That's all possible. So who is the best fit for the Whitecaps, Demerit O'Brien? So first off, if Greg moves on, the question is, who will now be the last person at training every single day? Because no one works harder than... I, I say what you want about his, his skill or whatever. No one works harder than Greg Lazar. So it'll be interesting to see who takes well, it. It'll be Ben Fisk and Bryce Alderson because yeah. we, when we were at training last week, it was the, the last training of the year. All the other players had done all their physical testing and stuff and headed back to the, the locker rooms. And we, we stood around for about 20 minutes. Yep, we were just standing around chatting. And, and then they walked out with a bag Bryce of balls. And ben, bag, bag of balls. And we watched them for a good 15, 20 minutes practicing and they still hadn't finished. Good for so them. that's the commitment you want to see from the young players. Yeah. And it's also something which Mark Weber actually alluded to on Twitter last week with the whole Darren Mattox thing, that Darren doesn't do stuff like that yeah. in training. He's not the last guy in the field. Well, wasn't there that story one time they had to actually pull him back or whatever? Because they said, was, was that on the radio? It was that, no, no, not that one. It was on the radio, wasn't it? It was one of the, it was one of the podcasts where he, he was... He was leaving, and they're like, yeah, no, we want you to stay and do some stuff. And he's like, no, I'm going to go. And they're like, no, you have to stay. We're gonna, we want to go over X, Y, and Z with you. Yeah, yeah that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, so, okay, Greg Loser, hardworking, still out. Um, so, back to the original question, Andy O'Brien or Jay Demerit? Best fit for the cast. The interesting thing... Um, or do you keep them both? Well, the best I don't think you can't keep them both. I don't think. But that, that would be my preference. I think that... Yeah. In a Demerit, world, yes, you can. Okay, you but yeah. sure. But I, I still think that there can be adjustments and savings made elsewhere. I think having O'Brien and Demerit together, paired, is probably going to prove to be our best pair of center mids, or center defenders. I, that's, that's my feeling on it. I sincerely think that I think the experience and the professionalism... And the opportunity to provide mentorship to other players on the team 
I think it's it's invaluable. You can't put a price on that. What if you have to pick one? If I had to pick one, I'm thinking we're keeping O'Brien. Did you say sorry? Did you say you see Jay and Andy starting together? I think that could prove to be our best pairing. And as much I like, I like Mitch. We never get to see it this year. Actually, well, only, yeah, you know, only I, I, I like nine Mitch. minutes or something like that. And I, but I, I think that Jay and Andy could prove to be our best option. I think there, you have the experience there. I think we definitely would be lacking pace in the middle of the True, back. true, true. The, the interesting thing about, about Andy was uh, Slamo and I were setting up for the Slamo Tifo this year. And uh, it was one of those games where Andy wasn't in the 18 and but was fully fit. And uh, there was an, another gentleman there with him. We're like, oh, Andy, who, you know, is this your relative? Who is this? He's like, oh, no, this is my agent. And we're like, oh, your agent's here. Okay, this is kind of interesting. Like, you know, you've already signed a deal like months ago and here's your agent hanging out. I assume not from, I assume your agent's not from around here. So that was kind of interesting um, to, to hear or to see, to meet him. So Slamo, who do you think? Well, I think on the current makeup of the team, I think that I would keep Jay over Andy because Jay is more of a destroyer. And I think that more what the team uh, needs in the spine, you know, we have a lot of uh, wing play, or at least we try to have a lot of wing play. And so I think that attitude, and I think it's a different team with Jay on the field than with him off it. And I think it has been since the beginning 2011 honestly so I would just do it based on that I, I personally would like to see another year with Jay if, if I enjoy it I'm coming at a different way too because I'm thinking Andy Bryan takes up an international spot if you have if they're even I would take Jay Demerit at, especially if he reduces his salary over, as a domestic player over an international does, spot. Does anyone have that pulse on the, what that is for 2014 international spots? we got our eight regulars. And I think we have ten in total. Ten for next year too? I think so. Okay. Um, I think Jay Demerit, um, there's been a lot of people saying crazy stuff in uh, on, on Twitter and, and, and forums and stuff about how, oh, they'd have him back if, if, he, if he took like a a discount on his salary. Yes, what I said. Yeah, that's never that's never going to happen. Why not? He hasn't proved that he's been healthy the whole year. You can't afford. He's got to take some back as well. No, but okay. I'm not saying he's come. I'm not saying he's going to be demanding what he his current salary is, which is way more than what it appears to be because of allocation buying buying it down. But um, he he yeah he he you listen to him talk and he says I know what I'm worth and. That's well, that's the offer I'm looking for from the club, and we'll see what they offer, and we'll go from there. So, I, I think it would be good for him to come back in terms of continuity and stuff. Um, and like Johnny said too, the mentoring, and then yeah, what happens when three center backs go down? And for me, I would get rid of Demerit in a heartbeat. Um, Andy O'Brien would be the guy that I would want to keep, and I think it's all because he's to... Scottish, right? Yeah, because he's, he's, he's English close, Irish. He's close to being Scottish. He's probably got a granny that would have qualified him for Scotland. <laughs> but I just think O'Brien's a better centre-back. I think it's a better value. But I also think it's going to depending on who the coach is because oh. if Carl Robinson gets to coach this job, I don't think we'll see Jay Demerit here because I think he'll have spent two years with him and he'll know what all his weaknesses are and that we can get better options out there. If a new coach comes in, though, I think with so much change and depending on who the coach is, it's hard to get rid of the guy that's the poster boy for your club. Especially if your other poster boys were Y.P. Lee, who's retired, and Darren Mattix, who's just not the brightest, sharpest tool in the, in the toolbox at times. So I think you have to kind of keep Jay Demerit around from a, 
publicity point of view, but I don't think that's why he should be kept. And, and we, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't talked about Brad Russell in this. No, I was, I was just about okay, to sorry. So just the same thing's going. The thing too, when we talk about, we've talked about a few times is about the personality of the team. And to mm-hmm. me, Jay was the first signing, and it was the first moment I was excited about the move to MLS because it represented a personality, right? Like Jay is the personality that I want this team to have. I want this team to be ninth division Sunday football and then playing in the freaking World Cup, right? I want that sort of drive and that determination. I want guys like uh, Lee Nguyen, you know, and those sorts of guys. I don't want to have a nice team that's like all love and cuddles, right? I, I don't care so much that they're going to come and high-five the supporters as much as that I want them out there freaking winning the damn game, right? It'd be nice if they have both, but if I had to choose only one, I'd rather have 11 assholes on the field winning the game than 11 nice guys. Waving to the crowd. Waving to the crowd. That's my opinion. So okay, so I'm with you there. So a couple more defenders we have here on the list: Brad Rusin. Uh, I thought he played all Russin, right. Russin. Russin gone. I, I think I thought he played all right, but at 120, he's very expensive to be a third or fourth center back. He, we're not getting value for money there. Yeah, and too uh, good looking as well. You know, I think uh, no, yeah. he he didn't show enough to warrant the cost against our cap. Agree. I think we'll get value for him too from some team. American I think so team. too. I think he's played all right, but he's just not. We just have too many, like in Mitchell and Leveron, to have him on. The yeah, it, it depends on. I think it depends on again who the coach is, and then what what you're doing in in the in the, the holding midfield role as well. So I think we'll, that'll depend on that. Now another guy, Guy Smiley, as Michael calls him, Jordan Harvey. Fantastic year for scoring goals. Somewhat horrendous year for defending. One more goal than Darren Mattox. Excellent. So obviously he carried the team to the playoffs. Oh, making missing the playoffs. So Jordan Harvey. Now he. We've stated that we we're not a big fan of his defending and everything. He scored goals. He's been opportune at times. Um, opportunistic, so to say. Um, he would bring value to the team. Like. It's good work yeah. ethic. Money-wise and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I think he would bring value if he stayed. I don't want him really mentoring Sam at all, but he would bring value to the team if he trade, if you trade him as well. Like, say you trade him for 100000 in allocation money, you can sign a left back at 220 then, based on his salary and the allocation you bring back. So what do you guys think of Jordan Harvey? Well, I think, you know, as far as having 11 guys on the field who are willing to stab you, I think it's good having seven guys on the bench who love the game. And I think Jordan fits into that category. I love watching him play just for his joy. Like, he has fun. He sincerely has fun on the pitch, right? He drives me freaking crazy when he's standing inside the 18-yard box while his, defend, while his attacking player is making a run down the wing. But he certainly looks like he's having fun doing it, right? You know, he smiles all the time. <laughs> and I think that you need to have that on the team, right? And it's an upgrade. So I don't look at it so much as where it fits in, but it's an upgrade on Klazura, right? I'm hoping that he, what he takes from this past season in terms of his offensive success is that he can translate that into coming to terms with the point that he can play a, a pivotal role on that back line. And uh, he needs to focus on some areas of his defensive work. And if he can, uh, you know, get his head together and get the right direction from a coach, I think he, I would be okay with him staying. I wouldn't be calling for his head or to, you know, get shipped out the door. Um, I think I could live with him. 
but maybe it's an area we, we should not turn our backs to in terms of looking for an upgrade. I think that one of the issues that, that affect Jordan Harvey, which affect our entire team, especially our defenders, is, is continuity and consistency. And so when you have whatever is nine pairings at center back, that affects your fullbacks. And so I so think inconsistency affected the team. Yes, Bobby. Yes, it did. So I think that's I think that's a, I think that's an issue to, to, to be considered. It also depends on how much you how much you want to play how much you want to play Sam next year. Like how how much are we going to bleed him? And again, that depends on who the co- the coach is, and we'll talk more about that later, apparently. But so I think that's a, that's a, that's a huge part of the equation. In MLS, a left footed, left sided player, there there are not many around, which was. One of the things when I saw the, uh, uh, I would have loved when I started when I saw Montreal had Justin Mapp available and they took like mm. a, like you knew they were going to take him because here's a left sided player he makes more more money because he's naturally left footed and he's been able to contribute and and you know so I think Jordan Harvey's kind of like that like his salary is elevated because I, I, of position play because of the foot he has and based based on what he's done and already being one of the guys at the Martin Ready press conference and some of the how they're highlighting him I think he's going to stay I, th- I, I think yeah. unless the yeah. coach that they bring in really like dislikes him I think he is going to stay so I, I, I think he's probably going to do that I, I've been I've been thinking a lot about Jordan Harvey the last few days and it's not because of his sexy goatee beard or his pirate looks it's I just think it is worth him hanging around I really like him as a as a guy yeah. um, he's got a personality that is lacking from a lot of other players in the squad and he's a guy that is refreshing to talk to he kind of says it as it is and he, he's someone that you do need to line around the dressing room and I think he might teach Sam a few good things and if we can get him in the right money I've changed my mind and I would like him to stay Wait, you, yeah, not, wait, you like him now? Yeah Oh, wow that's and he's not going to be teaching Sam how to play. He's going to be teaching him like the man aspect. Yeah, he's going to he's going to be, be teaching him the Sam professional. Oh, oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't yeah. want him mentoning him yeah. on the pitch at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think he so, I think he's worth keeping okay. around, but for the right money. So I, well, I think he's signed a couple year contract, so I think he'll be the same as this year. Uh, we'll go on to midfielders. So the guys that I think are are definite are Russell Tyberg, Gershon Coffey, and Bryce Alderson. Whether Bryce is here or goes on loan, that's another story. Well, um, I, I still, and I'm not just saying this to be controversial, oh. if we got a decent trade deal for Gershon Coffey, I would take it. Not going to happen. So let's move sure, on sure, from sure, that. Sure. Let's, let's move on from that. He's just doing this. Okay? No, let's I'm not. No, I, no, I, he's sincere. I'm sincere. So, so Michael, are you saying anywhere? Like even in he's MLS? He's a Canadian. Trade? No. Yeah. He's not, they're not going to trade yeah. him. He's not I know they're not going to, but I, if we got offered a decent thing, he's not as good as everyone makes him out to be. Oh, okay, so midfielders. He's not as an attacking mid. He's not. No. The yeah, big story. Gersh needs to be play, play a whole, whole, whole position. track this whole thing. Anyway, let's move on. So the big one that came out at the end of uh, training uh, press conferences at the testing and everything was Nigel Rio Coker saying he was going to explore his options in the offseason, whether it be on loan or he didn't really go into full detail. But reading between the lines, it was pretty clear he wants to at least go on loan back to England. And you have to think if he's doing that, he's not going to just go for like one or two months. He's going to kind of want to maybe play till the end of the English season or something. Yeah, no, that's... That would be disruptive. The club, if the club's keeping him, they need to rein that in. Like it yeah. needs but I think they will, and I think that... He's now, not back. Won't now, is he, is, is he, is he going to be... Is he, the one question is, he, at the salary is, he was a value this year, but is he going to get a bump or is he worth a DP contract? That's the big question. No. Well, the stories I heard is that he is 
was on, was it was part of his deal that he become a DP in second year? I don't know if that's factual or not. I, I believe that was contingent that on certain performance benchmarks. Yeah, that's what I heard. That he, yeah. Both parties had to be happy with how they had performed, oh, okay. and there was like set expectations. Okay. Hopefully, not a set number of goals because he probably didn't reach that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I, I see Rio Coker as having high value to the midfield. I mean, he just brought something that we haven't seen with this MLS incarnation of the Whitecaps. Um, you know, no, he's not an offensive juggernaut, but he's moving that ball with purpose and getting it to where it needs to be. And, um, you know, I've seen him as a very positive addition to the squad. I've been very well, happy he's, with the, the what, he played. What he's done with Russell Tiber, it's been amazing so far. If, you know, you have to, uh, if you believe everything, and you, you should believe everything, as Russell's saying it, that he's mentored him back to what he should be and the, the, what he's done. He's been basically the Oprah of the Whitecaps this year, giving everybody contracts in Europe. He's saying, you get a contract, you get a contract. <laughs> he's offering residency kids contracts. You get a contract, you get a contract. So he's been like the Oprah for the Whitecaps. Basically giving everybody the, the, you know, the feeling good mentality. Wait, I think we have him in the wrong category because he's going to be our starting right back next year, right? <laughs> and YP Lee's going to play off YP. <laughs> So, uh, so that's Najibir Coker. A couple of Japanese midfielders we should maybe talk about. Diego Kobayashi on the high end of salary. Jude Marcus Davis on the low end. And both in contention with uh, fans. What, what do you guys think about those two guys? The fans can't be calling the shots in terms of player no, personnel. But, but people do have their opinions. They right? certainly do. And, and, and quite justly so. Um, Davidson has put in some performances that have rubbed people the wrong way. And he's also made a few, I think, poor decisions in terms of self-discipline. Um, you know, but he's good value for the money that we're paying him. And for the job that he's given to do, he's getting it done. Um, it's maybe not the most exciting uh, football, uh, but that's not the job he's being put out there to do. He's doing a, a holding role and doing it well, in my view. Daigo? You know, I, I don't know what to make of that. It's a mystery. It, it seemed like in, in the preseason, he was in form, he had confidence, he was playing with purpose, and it just got lost. And I don't know why that is. Well, he got lost on the not playing centrally, I think. He well, got put sure. on the wing. But I think there's more to it than that, too. I, like, I, we often hear about these, these players coming from overseas, and there's this adjustment period and the difficult transition to MLS. I, I don't quite buy all of that. I, sure, moving to a new country is obviously a very difficult experience. I can only imagine what that's like. But, oh, horrible, horrible. <laughs> welcome to Canada, Michael. But, uh, I, but for what we're paying, Daigo, no, it doesn't work. So something's got to happen. And either a new coach has to get into his brain and wire him the right way and get the better performances out of him, or we gotta cut bait and let him go. Simon? Yeah, I'd root for both of them if they're here. I mean, you know, I don't think we've seen the best of Diego, but, you know, I, I wouldn't be sad to see either of them go, but I'd also, uh, I'd be fine cheering both of them on. I think June, you know, I'm not a fan of the style that Rennie played with him in there, and I thought, it, you know... And that's the that's question, was, was it opinion. him or was so, it Rennie's exactly. style, yeah? Yeah, and you could say that with both those players, so I, you know, I find it hard to pass judgment on them, because I think they were both missed. Well, June wasn't miscast, I just didn't like that style, but if he's coming in as a substitute in the 70th minute or 70th <coughs> minute when we're up a goal, I don't have a problem with that. Sack in a minute or less. I think with Jun, I think that's part partly is he, he was brought in to play a role and played the role. I think one thing about Jun that I've, I've heard is um, 
this is the perception of, of Martin Rainey. Like, how can you hang your tenure, your career in Vancouver on one player being Jim Marcus Davidson? Which is a perspective I'm not sure I totally agree with, but it is a, a something to think about. Uh, so I could see I could see the club not bringing him back just on 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 that on that alone. I like Jin. I think he's a great guy. I think he can play a role. Um, that is all will be shaped by the coach. Dago, I still have like dreams or I guess nightmares in a sense of like what if what if that goal against Montreal had won us the Voyagers Cup? How, what would that have meant for his confidence? For like how many you know, how many times would we be watching that? garbage goal over and over and over again and, and what that would have meant for the club and our history and what that could have meant for his season uh, he scored th- I think three incredible goals or really high quality goals when he was here that crazy back heel flick thing in the preseason the goal against Columbus and the goal at Dallas uh, I think we're all really quality so we the, the quality is there it's and just, he set up Manet for a couple of really nice goals in Seattle. Yeah. oh yeah where he was playing centrally not, yeah, in yeah. The, not on the wing Michael I would keep Jun around, but it's going to depend on who the new manager is and what kind of style of play, because Jun can only play in one way, I think, and if the new manager doesn't want to play that way, there's no point keeping him here. Kobayashi, I was riding him in most of the season, which is probably why he wasn't doing very well, because it's with this weight on his back, it's kind of, kind of hard to run, but I was impressed with the last few games. The way that he linked up with Manny and the fact that they're friends and they seem to have this understanding, it did make me think maybe he could do something. Maybe he maybe he is the player that we saw, but I, I think it's too big a gamble with the salary that he's on to hope that he's going to come back and do that week in, week out next year. So I, I would just let him go. I mean, Rennie said in the preseason, he came out to a Southsiders preseason function and said that uh, Kobayashi was the most technically gifted player he had ever worked with and yet we didn't quite see that materialize so there was something there that, that impressed Rennie but it just did not seem to shine through like we were all hoping it would so it becomes a question of why and can we get back into that can we, can we extract that from him and get more of that on the pitch maybe another coach can do it so uh, okay now we got uh, let's go down Forwards, uh, we all think we can agree that Camilo Kakuda. We didn't finish the midfield. Are we? Who's missed? Matt Watson. Okay, fine. Oh. Who else? Ten seconds or less on Matt Watson. <laughs> Ten seconds. Keep him. Loads of heart. Good money. Utility player. Well, well valued. As the sixth, seventh guy, you need a guy like that in the MLS. Really yeah. appreciate Matt Watson. Yeah. Isn't there some? There's other players we're missing in the midfield, no? No, that's it. There's not very many. Uh, um, oh, Amanu? Who else? Yeah, we're not talking about him. Okay. Yeah, Matt. I'm, I'm, I like Matt. I don't want him to be our uh, lone solo forward. So, no. You know, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I would keep him around, but I don't want him being the first choice midfielder that comes in when we need a midfielder. If, if that's the role he's going to take, then we need someone else. I would like him as a third or fourth on the bench. Yeah, someone that term. comes on later on, but yeah. just never start. Yeah. Uh, forwards, uh, we think I think we can agree that Camilo Kakuda, Caleb Clark, even though he's going to be in Germany until uh, June, is is definitely not one. <laughs> can we can we talk about him for half a second, Caleb? Or, or we can talk about let's finish, this, let's finish this and we can talk about yeah. some other topics. Sure. Um, big one is Kenny Miller. He left before the season was over uh, to see a Swedish doctor in Scotland. Uh, that seems weird, but whatever. He was seeing a Swedish doctor in Sweden. I didn't oh, was it Swedish? I thought it was in Scotland. Whatever. Scotland is full of Swedish doctors. So, no, my my feeling, and this was just, 
this, my feeling, and this was just my speculation, is that he wants to get fit from that tendonitis or whatever right away so he can move on in January. That was my just speculation. What do you guys think about Kenny Miller? Will he be back for that six months? He will be back for the right coach. I think he is not coming back. Um, he has family to think about. He's got a young wife and he's got... A, I'm not sure if it's one or two kids that he has. Two kids. There's two. But, uh, you know... I think that my sense from what I've heard about them is that they're homesick. And that's going to be tough for any uh, player to deal with. Zach? I, I would be surprised if he can... I hope he comes back because I really appreciated uh, what he brought, especially, obviously, this year. But even even the year before, he was, a, a, I think, a good a good influence. Simon? I agree with Michael. He need, He's not going to play for... Uh, Ragtag coach. Yeah. Cool. So... Uh, We've, we talked about Darren Maddox in the last podcast, so I'm just going to skip over him. And he might be gone by now anyways. Let's hope so. Um, uh, so a couple of depth forwards. Uh, we'll go with all of them as a group. Uh, Corey Herzog, Tommy Heinemann, and the one with the gracious touch, Eric Hurtado. And they, these guys all count against the cap. Nobody's generation to do this. Go for it. Who wants to start? Zach? I want, I want them all to be replaced by young Canadians. Every one of them drives me crazy. Well, I personally, uh, I personally would like to see Benefist. Guys, exactly. Benefist replace Eric Hurtado, whether yeah. he's generation Adidas or yeah. you pay him whatever you want. I'm still, uh, uh, you know, I'm gonna die 60, uh, no, 98 years old, <laughs> and I'm gonna be remembering Adam that. Clement playing for the Whitecaps and Derek Bassey freaking playing at UBC, and I'm gonna be pissed off. So I want all those guys that are like sitting on the bench, don't have a hope of contributing anything to be replaced by guys I can at least uh, associate with. Yeah, I, I appreciate those those three players, but I think that uh, I would agree with Slamo. And so this, this comes back to uh, the whole, re- these residency guys. And so I think we didn't talk about Caleb Clark, but the Caleb Clark, I think people's understanding of what's gone on there like people don't understand really what what happened. Yeah, he came into our residency. And this is a bigger discussion maybe for another time. He came into our residency program when at a transitional time when our residency program was the first stated goal of the residency program was to get players to Europe. Getting them into our first team was was the secondary thing, and then when the club made MLS, they switched that, and that was why Thomas Neindorf left. Uh, and then they brought in Richard, okay? Um, and so his whole, Caleb's whole goal was, is, it was to play in Europe, and he feels, and his agent, aka his father, feels he's good enough to do that. And, and so people are like here, who are here like, oh, why, why did they uh, send him out on loan? No, they didn't send him out on loan. This is him living out his, his dream and them allowing that to happen. And it's the same thing with Daniel Stanese. Well, Dan, well Dan, Daniel, Daniel wants to play in Europe. Ours, isn't ours. He wants to play in Europe. Yeah, but he isn't ours anymore. He's still ours. He's no, still he MLS. Played from, a year yeah. before he went. To he was still. Uh, we would still have MLS forever. rights. Really? Yeah. Forever. Oh, okay, I missed yeah. that. Okay, but, uh, so, so that, that that's that's like, people don't understand. But you're, I agree with agree with Slam on this. We do need to be bringing these players into the team and, and investing in them, as opposed to, let's say college draft picks who are yeah. you know when you talk about Jason Christ as a coach I, I thought it was daft at first that you know you're watching the draft and all of a sudden RSL is passing and RSL is passing and RSL is passing and I'm like 
what are these guys doing? Just take them and then get rid of these people if you don't want them. We, we've done that. But no, they were doing that because they believed in the players they yeah. had invested yeah. in. The I would system. love that. Yeah. I would love to see them go up there with their third of overall pick, whatever, and pick Ben Fisk or something. Just well, as they a don't statement. Need to. They no, 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 they don't need to, but as a statement, yeah. right? Just as a statement. Yeah, if ben, Johnny, if ben Fisk is in our team next year, I'd be yeah, disappointed. Yeah. I, the, the three guys in question here, none of them have proven to be significant impact players uh, for the Whitecaps. And so, therefore, I, I'm of the, the same view here that those are roster spots that could be absorbed by homegrown residency players, Canadian Let's get our people in there. I mean, I don't mean that as a slight to anyone who comes from the United States or anyone that came out of the college system. I'm just simply saying that if, if the club's goal is to, you know, advance this residency program to the point where it's a, a relevant and, and frequent contributing source of player talent, then let's get the, those people into those spots. We're not doing that. Like right ultimately, now. ultimately, I like to see two guys in the starting 11 eventually regulars. Two guys on the bench, yeah, and then about six guys in the bottom, like ten or whatever. Like when that talk- would be perfect for like how you want to develop the team, so you, and then slowly people so move up. You want to look at a model in club football, and I'm not just saying this because of my my personal preference. Look at how Bayern Munich has done it. How many of those players have come through? Ring the bell. How many of those players have come through their their own system? Oh, and a few of them they bought when they were really young and put them into their system. I mean, that, that's that, that's the way to, that's the way to go. It makes sense. But oh, the one thing I think I was gonna say was um, so the problem is the, the other problem that people don't understand with all this is the MLS rules, yeah. right? So the reason why we lose a, 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 a Kyle Porter, the reason why we don't have Daniel didn't have Daniel under an MLS contract is because of this home grow. We can only offer them so much money. So yeah. when you go to go to Caleb in 2011 or Kyle in 2011, and you say, yeah, we here's your contract. It's 32500 dollars. Yeah. Kyle knows he can make more in NASL and play or in Germany every, or in Germany yeah. and play every game. So we were hamstrung on some yeah. of those. Some of those. Well, things. I understand that. Yeah. Or, or made certain offers because of trying to build within the but, cap. And like for an example, I would rather pay like because Eric Hurtado is counting against the cap at eighty-two or whatever thousand dollars he is. I'd rather pay Ben Fisk eighty-two thousand. Who cares if he counts against the cap and have him on the team? That's a fair perspective. Yeah. I can't really disagree with too much of that. It's like really want to see the young guys get a chance. I'd get rid of Herzog because he just didn't even show it with Edmonton that you much. You were a fan of his. I was at first, but then he, he just he scored some goals with us, which I liked. Then he started well at Edmonton and then fell away. Hurtado, I'd get shot of him again in a heartbeat. Tommy Heineman, I kind of flip flop with him. He's got size. That's the one yeah. thing he does. And that's what we don't have. Because none, none of these other guys If there's one of the three that would keep it, it would be yeah. him. And you know, if we're going to give Jordan Harvey points for you know uh, the hard Tom, effort yeah, and the Tom, pride that he Tom, brings yeah. to the, the pitch, I see that in Tommy as yeah. well. And one of my favorite goals scored this past year uh, was was his equalizer against Chivas. Because when he came running off that line, having scored that, you could see the pride just yeah. shining through his and, face. And he is actually very good for the community as well. Yeah. I think yeah. um, he's already uh, like volunteer. I don't know if he's, he's probably volunteering. He, he's volunteering with UBC to he, be an assistant yeah. coach. Exactly. He's an assistant coach. He's just going to the Nationals with him. I spoke to him last Sunday. We had a, a good chat, which is going to be up on AFTN. In fact, it'll be up on AFTN by now. Um, and yeah, he's he wants to kind of give something back. And I think as a player... He's, he, he's done it in MLS reserves, which is the highest level apart from an MLS that he can prove himself because he's not been out alone to anyone. 
and he has proved it. So I think he does deserve a chance. And I think a big guy like that does have a part to play in a team. And it's not easy to find big guys. No, and it's cheap as well. Yeah. It's around about the 60,000. And with all these players, it comes into who's the coach and what is the style, what yeah, is the exactly. identity. But no matter, yeah. like you're always going to need a big guy, even if it's the closing minutes and you play beautiful football, you have to hoof the ball up That's in the closing minutes to get a goal. Yeah. Mitch can do that. Yeah. True. So, so uh, one last player that we want to discuss, um, and he's a guy who a lot of people have forgotten, Omar Salgado. Um, he's had a couple years wasted. Well, some people might say three years wasted. Uh, one was on the bench, two is injured. Um, what do you guys think? If he if he's still a Generation Adidas or he's not a Generation Adidas? Well, if he's Generation Adidas, then you keep him for sure. Yeah. yeah. Can, can any of you guys think of any other professional player that has had basically two years of key development time snatched away by injury, then come back from that and prove themselves in a meaningful way. Nobody immediately comes to my mind. And no, because a lot of them either go into lower leagues or they just fall out of the game altogether. You know, I, I can think, I, of, like some Martin, Reddy, I can think of some American football players, but that's about it. Sure. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I don't think we're going to see Salgado ever suit up for the Whitecaps. I just don't. And uh, I don't mean that as a, a knock against him personally or the efforts that he's made to get rehabilitated and get back into it, I just don't see it happening. I think Omar um, has received some really uh, good encouragement from uh, some of the other players in the squad. And I think if he kind of lives that out and kind of gives his all and focuses where he is now, if, if he can overcome the physical part of it, I think he, he can make a contribution here. And I really hope I really hope he gets the opportunity to because of all the, all the bad breaks. But I, I, think, I think with his first year, part of the problem was uh, kind of like you talk about Darren and you know oh, someone wants me here and there whatever I think there was a little bit of that with Omar but not in the same kind of his response was not the same but I think I think he needs to focus on where he's at and and keep working hard in this rehabilitation and I think I, I think he can make a contribution now Slambo I know you being a Derek Bassey fan Omar Salgado might not be at the top of your Christmas <laughs> wish list but what do you think about Omar Salgado well for sure if he's a GA I think it's a total no-brainer if he's not it's a tough question like do you need that uh, cap space or not right so I think it's going to come down to how you've got a you know you don't want to throw bad money or good money after bad money but at the same time, you want to return on investment. So it's like, how much have we spent on him? Are you willing to give him another crack at it? Or are you going to cut so, him off in the offseason? So, so if he's not, though, if he's not a Generation Adidas player, um, some players have gone from um, not playing a lot while being Generation Adidas coming off and then having a salary more in line with kind of where they've been. Yeah. So, it's again, it's part of it's about ego and all that kind of stuff. And, and would they accept that kind of thing? So... Yeah, well, what did what did Herzog make this year? Sixty something or four fifty? What was he getting as a GA? Well, one probably in the one hundred. So same sort of thing. Yeah. If he's not a GA and he's willing to go, okay, you know, I I know I haven't proven anything, so I'll take eighty five thousand or whatever. You know, you're twenty years old. How many twenty year olds are making eighty five thousand, right? I mean, I, I personally don't really care if we keep him or not, but I think from a PR point of view, you can't then just release a guy that's had all those injuries. It's just going to look horrible. Well, I think you'll get that, something for him. I don't know. He's unproven. Somebody, somebody, somebody will give something It'll be some, for him. It'll be some crappy draft pittance, pick or something, yeah. but it's like to be seen to then release him, it just looks really bad in a club that's going through a bit of a PR nightmare. So I don't know. That's a good but, perspective, Michael. Yeah. But... I guess that covers everyone, so we'll, we'll move on from that section now. And I think it's time for some games. 
30 seconds to Mars. So now it's time to play 30 Seconds to Mars. I'm going to do it a little bit differently because when I bring my bell, and I ring my bell, it kind of just blows the mic. And Mike usually likes to get blown, but not tonight. So we're going to do it a little bit differently. And Steve has some questions. So you've each got 30 seconds, and we've got a super duper fancy multicolored stopwatch thing out. Or it's a phone, something like that. And whoever makes the most points over that 30 seconds is going to win this Mars bar. Now, obviously, Zach, you've been munching away for the last two weeks while we've been recording these podcasts. And that, all that hard work on your diet has kind of gone a little bit out the window. But there's been a lot of complaints when I've done this that everyone gets a Mars bar. So tonight, I've decided no. There's only going to be one Mars bar. You've decided to be cheap. No, bro. Well, like the Highlander, there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> so Steve, question one. So question one will go to Johnny, as he is the first one. Uh, <laughs> the I've first never done this podcast. before. Sorry. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna give you the first question. Or okay. you wanna go last? You're just gonna answer a question. Alright. I'm gonna so give you, you four make choices. As many good points as Three possible. to four choices, you get thirty seconds to make as many good points. You can finish off your thoughts if you want. You just won't get any points after the bell rings for 30 seconds. Fair enough. And honestly, I have no idea what the alarm's gonna be, so will that will be a surprise to me as well. So the question is, for the Whitecaps, what was the most devastating home result this season? The options are, now knowing that they were two points out of the playoffs, three points from actually hosting a playoff match, three choices are the 2-2 draw with Chivas, the 1-0 loss to Philadelphia, the 1-0 loss to RSL, or you could go another way and say the 2-2 draw with Montreal. Devastating in terms of uh, uh, spirits to the supporters would be the, the draw with Montreal. Bing. It was the worst possible outcome you could have in the cup. We Bing. were denied again. We missed yet another opportunity Bing. to cash in on a weak side that was performing poorly at the time. Bing. Uh, it just hurt, hurt, hurt. I'll give bonus points to the Chivas draw. We should have annihilated that team. Should have absolutely taken advantage of the situation. Did Bing. not. Failing to capitalize on weak teams has been a real struggling point for us. Bing. And it was always followed That's by... <laughs> I'll finish it off. I was just saying, it was always seems to be followed by an excellent win over a strong team. Shut That's up. the pattern. We would muck it up against a, a crap side and then do really well against a tough team. Can't figure it out. So I was saying shut up to the my timer, not Johnny. Just let listener know there. Thanks, We're nice Johnny. We're nice Okay, so same question to Slavo. Oh, to me, yeah. Okay. I'm going to say uh, RSL because we were still in the playoff race and it was a freaking squad that was uh, the home, the uh, team that RSL put out there was a salary of maybe uh, 600,000 or 60,000 average. So we needed to win that game and it was a, it should have been a gimme. It should have been a 3 nothing. <laughs> I'm going to say the Montreal loss, uh, draw, because Johnny got points for it. And, uh... (laughs) 
I would maybe try and have. Yeah, I would go through my whole array of noises. Oh, very I distracting. Sorry. <laughs> I'll give you a bonus point for having to go through that. Okay, bring so, back the bell. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. What else have I got to ring? How about Wild Birds of the Amazon? Can you do that? Okay. So, Zach. I would have to say it has to be what came first, and that is the, the Dragons Montreal to lose the Voyager's Cup. No, nothing. <laughs> Nothing was more uh, shocking and heartbreaking for supporters than that. After uh, 12, 11 years of losing it, we had the final at home, uh, a, a respectable away goalless draw in Montreal. We should have won that game. And uh, uh, I, I agree, though, that I agree that um, the Chivas game was, oh, was terrible. I don't like how the, cl- the clock in the front of you. The bell is better. <laughs> I know the clock. The bell is way the better. <laughs> the bell blows the speakers. <laughs> okay, so that was. I just picture full driving, and all of a sudden, oh. <laughs> so, second question, and we'll have Slamo start this one. Um, stop cheating, Zach. Uh, <laughs> second question: What was the toughest injury for the Whitecaps to go through this season? Was it A. J. Demerit, B. Kenny Miller? Or C, Andy O'Brien? I'm going to go with uh, Kenny Miller because uh, they, they seem to have rebounded from the Jay Demerit injury and then were playing well again. And then Kenny went down, which caused the big, uh, a big uh, ruckus in the middle of the pitch that we were scoring goals and doing well at that point. Although Andy's injury is also unfortunate in that it cost us the first win in Seattle, which would have been a fantastic victory as well. But I think in the general terms of the seasons, Kenny's injury was the biggest impact. Oh, Positive. Oh, I, I meant to say in the other one. No, not for points. But I meant to say... I mean, no, just this is. You take that so serious. No, I do. <laughs> no, what I also meant to say was, if if rumors are true, it would have also meant that Martin Rennie's contract was automatically extend, extended, which I think would have. I don't know. He was asked that, or Bob, Bobby was asked that. Um, never mentioned that. If he won the Voyagers Cup, would he have been extended? And he said no. We always agreed to wait to the end of the season. I think it would have. Yeah, I think it was one of the stated goals of the club. Yeah, yeah. It would have been a benchmark for sure. Yeah. Johnny, same question. The Andy O'Brien injury, I think, was crucial and critical in terms of the season. Uh, It set off a cascading effect of uh, disorganization. It uh, removed leadership from the back line. It resulted in a series of uh, new and untested partnerships at the uh, central defense, and it really created chaos in front of the keeper. Uh, Andy, uh, his injury, I think, was more prominent than Jay's because Jay's happened so early in the season, and we uh, compensated quickly with that. Zach. Uh, I have to agree that it's Andy O'Brien's. It, it highlighted the, the frustration and the poor timing and decision making over the Alain Rochad departure and the bringing in of, of David. Uh, it, it cost us that massive game in Seattle when we were winning and we were had the game by the scruff of the neck and we were about to finally win there. Uh, that, would have, that would have been another first and another pivotal point in our season. Wow, he doesn't even want the 30 seconds. He's just made his point, drops a mic, he's gone. Uh, a couple seconds before it beeps. It's a trick. It's okay, a clock. so that was question two. Let's go on to the last question. 
which I'm sure the listeners will be glad to know is the last question. <laughs> this always works better in my head. <laughs> Third question, Zach will start off. What's the best way to develop Sam Atacupi next year? Is it to for him just to play reserves in USDA? Is it to let him compete for spot starts here and there? Or throw just throw him in there? Let's see him play like Yedlin did this year. I don't know if it's the best, but I would definitely like to see him play as much as possible next year, as as long as he continues to show a progression and development. I agree with Michael that he, uh, yeah, he needs to beef up. He needs to uh, get a little bit stronger because he's been playing against men and more physical. We saw that even a little bit in the, in the last game. He could do, hold his own, but he could also use from from being a little bit uh, more strong on the ball, uh, a little more physical, a little bit more weight. Um, and I think he can be better than uh, the Afro boy in, in Seattle. Slamo, same question for Sam Adekupi. Okay, I would go with a multi-approach and get him to play as many games at the MLS level as possible, but also dropping him into reserve games and kind of going back and forth based on how the schedule is. Handpicking uh, who's the stronger uh, forward lines that he can defend against without getting run over. Maybe looking at the size of the forwards he's playing against. Give him a chance against guys who are more his size, older, wiser, but still his size and speed. And give him the best opportunity to succeed in an environment like that. I don't about? want to be biased, but that was excellent. That, yeah, was, yeah. that was fantastic. And he times him perfectly to you. Okay, so that, finally Johnny Monster... <laughs> Sam McGrew question. Okay. Uh, Sam is a kid who has enormous talent, and I think that talent will be hindered if he is playing at a level below where he needs to be. Sam needs to be at MLS level. He needs to be training regularly with the first team. He needs to be getting reserves action if he's not going to be getting first team time. Sam needs to be exposed to uh, the physicality of big league play, and he needs he's only going to get that uh, at the top level. He's not going to get exposure to the kind of uh, expertise and professional com- competition coming his way if he's down at reserves or PDL. Okay, so... Excellent stuff, guys. Three good questions asked. Three good answers from all of you. So to tally up, in third place, we have Zach Meisenheimer. Oh, it's it's good you don't have to match. Actually, actually, uh, it'll be Zach's third straight time he'll be the bridesmaid because there is actually a tie for first place between Slamo and Johnny Monster. They each have 17 points. Well, it's just as well I did actually bring more than <laughs> I'm kind of gutted though because that was my tea for us I headed home. But there's a Mars bar for you, Stephen. And a Mars bar for you, Thank you, good sir. And nothing at all for you, Zach, That's because good. you just, you lost. Lost again. Does Amina watch you, Zach? Oh, glad no, 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 no. Are you sure? No, no. I enjoy coming second. Your, your wife actually... <laughs> I wasn't what I was going to say. But <laughs> your wife actually got in touch and said, please don't send him home with any more Mars bars. So go. that's why we've done it. So thanks for taking part in that, guys. So just before we wrap this podcast up, we're going to have another new section called I Saw Him Standing There. So 
So this is our new section of the show, I saw him standing there. We sent out a request on Twitter asking where was the most unusual place that you have met a professional footballer? Didn't have to be a Whitecaps player, it could have been anyone. So we got a lot of replies. Just before we read those out, we'll just quickly go around the table. Has anyone here met a footballer in a very unusual place? I met Freddie Valenti on the concourse at Empire Stadium during an MLS match, which he unfortunately was not part of the team at that point in time. And it was just a bit of a surreal experience to run into a guy who I'd been supporting for years, uh, and then suddenly he's there as a spectator as opposed to a player. So the circumstances made that a little bit unusual. The fact that he was there was not in itself unusual. Um, the only other thing that comes to my mind is uh, when I was about 13 or 14, I was uh, a referee. Um, and uh, I went to referee school at Newton Athletic Park. And Bob Leonard Doozy came in and uh, introduced himself to all the young kids that were you know, volunteering their time or, or seeking to be paid as referees and linesmen. Did he arrive with four other people? <laughs> he did not have any kind of secret service protection or uh, no any kind committee. of security detail. No committee. <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no uh, secret death panel uh, to be uh, to speak of. But uh, no, he gave a little chat and it was good because, you know, you're, you're a kid and you, you've grown up hearing all about Bob Leonard Doozy and there he was. So that was my brush with fame. The only other brush with fame I've had was meeting Willie Nelson and the Dairy Queen at Cash Creek. Cool. That was my first celebrity encounter. I'm not surprised he was going for munches. <laughs> so Zach, I mean, you must I'm have sure met so many footballers. So it's German. Uh, Just pick some really weird place that you've met. Okay, this is when when I saw your tweet about this. This was the story. It's not maybe not a sexy story, but it's a story. The, the other this happened actually this tied into the other night. The other night, for some reason, I uh, was on flipped on the Sportsnet World, and it was that English football coverage crap that we don't really watch in our house. And uh, there was a guy on the screen. I said, I said to my wife, I said, Cheryl, do you remember when we met him? And she's like, Yeah, on the train at the World Cup in Germany. Uh, we were going to oh man, I think we were going to Gelsenkirchen. Yes, we were going to Gelsenkirchen the day England played Portugal in 2006 World Cup. We were on the train. They're fine bars in Gelsenkirchen. Fine bars. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, we, we, were get, we got on the train. We were going to the English uh, fan viewing uh, area for the game. We got on the train, jam-packed train. We were kind of standing at the, in, the, in, the, in between two cars. And all of a sudden, one of the stops got on this guy, and I looked over at him. I'm like, Cheryl, do you know who that is? She's like, I have no idea who that is. I was like, Cheryl, that is Dion Dublin. And she's like... Who's that? I'm like, he's a footballer. He played for Coventry, played for United, played for all these teams. So I went up and talked to him and just said, hey, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going to the match. I was like, you got a ticket? He's like, and he was on the phone. And he was like securing a ticket for the England-Portugal game on the phone. And after he got a phone, I was like, did you get a ticket? He's like, yeah, I got a ticket. I'm, I'm going to the match. So there he was on the screen the other day doing Premier League coverage. And I was like, sure, I remember that's Dion Dublin. And she's like, yeah. Slavo. Double D. Well, you know, there's lots show. of the, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. But I think the biggest moment would, again, involve my, my youngest son, would be uh, Alex Morfaw in Redmond, Washington, I guess, when Alex invited him down to, I think you were there, right? Eh? Yeah, I was there. And Alex invited him down onto the field, and they played for 20 minutes or 25 minutes, just 1v1 and that sort of stuff. And, you know, my son, he had the same, they had the same uh, soccer boots, so that was, there was that too, and he talked about that forever you know, so that was a fun game we actually got to sneak beer up into the stands yeah yeah it was a good game all around but that, I think that would be for me the biggest moment as far as meeting a player so for me um, I was covering a provincial B cup game in Surrey um, and I ran into the Fijian Flash 
Ivor Evans. Ivor Evans. Good man. And it was funny because he was trying to convince this little kid about how he used to be a white cap player and stuff like that. <laughs> kid wasn't really uh, like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. And so I went on my uh, on my uh, phone and actually got a picture of him like when he was much thinner and <laughs> in his white caps uniform. He got so happy. He was, oh, you're my friend. You're my buddy. And he gave me a kiss on the cheek. I, I tweeted about it when it happened too, so it was fun. Other than that, uh, non-soccer, I can actually top yours, I think. I actually was working at AMB Sound in downtown, went up to 7-Eleven to grab some food, and ran into Gene Simmons, who was buying coffee. I'll top that. I've met and shook hands with Ron Jeremy outside a porno store in Granville Street. I would shake hands with him. (laughs) 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 Was he trimming the hedges? (laughs) Football-wise, it was an ex-player that was also um, was a manager at the time. It was Detroit in 1994. Yes, I'm that old. World Cup. I was over for the World Cup, and the guy that had booked us our trip, of all the places in the States he could have booked us to go to, he picked Detroit out of all the host cities, because it was going to be really easy to get tickets for those games, because no one wants to go there. Lots of vacancy at the hotels, apparently. Yeah, and it didn't help as well that he actually booked us four really pale white Scottish guys into an all-black neighbourhood. And even the people in the hotel told us not to leave the hotel at night. <laughs> but also booked in that hotel, so it must have been cheap, was this ex-Scotland and Hibs manager, um, Alex Miller. So he was there, so we just bumped into him in the bar one night. He couldn't leave the hotel either. And we just sat and did karaoke together and we were chatting away and it was just really weird experience. He told us stories about Steve Archibald, who then a couple of months later became his wife manager. As for non-footballing people, I... Briefly met Craig Ferguson when he was in Edinburgh for a, mm. a movie premiere for, he did a film called The Big Tease and it was the Edinburgh International Film Festival. And he arrived at the cinema in his limo, just as I arrived, and we walked up the red carpet together. And everyone was taking my photo and his, probably going, don't know who this other guy is, but we better take his photo in case he's in the film. So that was quite a surreal experience. So, <laughs> so that was fantastic. And people don't know this, but Michael's actually the inspiration for the talking skeleton that he has on his show. Yeah, I put a little bit of weight on now as well, but oh, I, I love going swimming. If you watch the show, you'll get that. So we had some tweets from people as well, so we'll read those out. Rod Hodkinson, he's on Twitter at Rod Hodkinson. He said that he had Etienne Barbara on his transit bus and he drove him to the doctors prior to his departure from the club and they chatted for 45 minutes. It's a good job that he didn't go anywhere near John Thorrington's kind of doctor because he might have had him a few times. Talking of that, Emery Davidge at Dorcasaurus Rex on Twitter said that she saw Thorrington twice. Once at her chiropractor, so no real surprise there. <laughs> Shocking stuff, she says. And also once when he was chatting with a homeless guy outside Whole Foods and Forth. Could have been Johnny Leathers. Another injured player, uh, Nelson Santos ran into Grandstander 1, uh, sorry, at Grandstander 1, ran into Omar Salgado at a Coquitlam Ikea a couple of years ago, obviously to make home uh, do-it-yourself crutches. Yeah, but I also heard that Omar actually bought a, a chest of drawers that day but he had to take it back so I had a broken foot. <laughs> That's just awful. Terrible, terrible. Another person, Nick Wells, at Nick Wellsy, ran into Peter Beardsley standing in line for a burger at Swancar Stadium, which I think is better than Ben Massey's claim to fame of standing in line f- waiting for a hot dog with Tommy Sowen. I actually, I stood in line behind Merritt Paulson, uh, the 
very wealthy owner of the Portland Timbers. Um, in line for 99-cent pizza at Starfuck Stadium a couple years back. I remember that. So that was, that was you know, uh, an interesting moment where, you know, just for a second, just for a second, that extravagant, wealthy lifestyle just seemed just within reach. And the key was 99-cent pizza. <laughs> <laughs> One day you could own the Portland Timbers. Just going back to Nick Wells's tweet, I actually asked him if he understood what, what Peter Beardsley was saying, because most of the time when you listen to him, it actually sounds like he is eating a burger. But he said his, his family came from the northeast, so he, he did understand them. Now, Blue and White Army, at Blue and White Army on Twitter, said that the club used to rent suites at the northwest corner of Ash Street and West 8th, and he used to walk around in Caps gear back in the USL era, which really confused the players. Probably thought it was some kind of new signing. Although maybe not with his build, I don't know. Then you have one from uh, TFA? Yeah, TFA at TFA tweets. He said that Howard Wilkinson crashed into the back of his car at the M1 Junction 30. He was on his mobile phone at the time. He had just left Leeds United and was just about to take over as caretaker manager for England, where he also crashed and burned. Sure. <laughs> Sam Liu at Sam of Canada tweeted, In DC, in the coffee shop across from the street of his apartment building, he ran into Greg Clausura in his Whitecaps track stuff and all. Granted, he also met Thierry Henry in the same place, so he's pretty sure that's where all the MLS teams stay, right across the street from his department. So if we're ever going to DC, we need to find out where Sam stays and we can go and stalk some players. Mm-hmm. And the last one, which I think was my favourite, which St- Steve will read out. Yes, Jason S. at Blood for Days 2. Uh, wrote, I met June Marcus Davidson across the center line in one, the other team's defensive end. Neither one of us were supposed to be there. <laughs> I think that, that's our winner. So that, that proved quite a good section. We're going to do a few more of those in the podcast. So all that's left to do is wrap up this episode of the AFTN podcast and to thank my guests. So quickly around the table, let everyone know where they can find you online. John? Hi, it's uh, me. I'm at Johnny Monster, J-O-H-N-N-I-E Monster, all one word. And talking of monsters, the guy with the monstrous beard, head honcho of Curva Collective, Zach, where can we find you online? Uh, Zachary AM, or at Zachary AM on Twitter, on the movements at Curva Collective. Not the Curva Collective, right? Just at Curva Collective. Do we have to have this conversation every time oh, sorry, about and it's, Contro? And it's really hard to understand. Really, really hard to grasp. Because you are the Curva Collective no. to me. There's no other Curva Collectives. So yeah, sure. Small T, sure. Yeah. Sure. And Stephen? Uh, at S-S-S-L-A-M-O at Slamo. He's not a lamo, he's S-S Slamo. <laughs> Steve, where can we find you? At Whitecaps Beat, and you can also find me writing for AFTN. And of course you can always find me writing for AFTN at AFTN.ca. AFTN's on Canadian Soccer News, CanadianSoccerNews.com. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes and also on Stitcher Radio. And what should we always keep forgetting to do? A big thank you to the O'Wells for doing our theme tune. Check them out. They're going to be playing some gigs before the end of the year and they've also got some new material coming out. And Sarah, lead singer, absolutely gorgeous. Worth seeing just for her alone. You can find us on Twitter at AFTN Canada and you can send us an email to complain about anything that we've talked about or offended you about. <laughs> at AFTNCanada at hotmail.com How big is that inbox? <laughs> Oh, I shut that off my nose, man. <laughs> so as you can tell, we've had a lot of fun doing this podcast on the last one. So thanks to everyone for taking part. Thanks to everyone for listening. And until next time, stay safe and mon the caps. One day, I shall come back. 
Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.